I'm Deirdre Boza, and you're listening to CNBC's Tech Check. Our show is live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Tech Check. I'm Carl Quintanilla with John Fortin, Deirdre Bosa. You have been listening to House Financial Services today on the collapse of FTX as new CEO John Ray takes the hot seat. Notably absent, of course, is the man of the hour, Sam Bankman-Fried, originally scheduled to take that stand, but was arrested in the Bahamas last night after U.S. prosecutors filed criminal charges against him. Unsealed this morning, those charges include defrauding investors and customers in what the SEC calls, quote, a house of cards on a foundation of deception while telling investors that it was one of the safest buildings in crypto. Kate Rooney's been tracking the latest developments on Bankman Freed and will pop on as they happen this hour. But let's begin with our Elon Moy, who's got highlights on what you might have missed from the hearing in the past hour. Elon? Well, Carl, this has really been a nuts and bolts hearing so far with lawmakers trying to understand and untangle FTX's complicated business dealings and the links between its more than 100 different divisions. We heard from current FTX CEO John Ray say that there were virtually no internal controls or separation whatsoever between these businesses. He said SBS, Sam Bankman-Fried, owned about 90% of Alameda and that top executives had free reign across the companies. The operation of uh, Alameda really depended based on the way it was operated, for the use of customer funds. That, that's the major breakdown here. Uh, funds from FTX.com, which was the exchange for uh, non-U.S. citizens, uh, those funds were used at Alameda to make investments and other disbursements. You also saw the foreshadowing of a regulatory fight to come with the chairwoman of the committee, Maxine Waters, saying that if FTX had been registered with the SEC, it would have been subject to rules requiring segregation of accounts and key disclosures. But the ranking Republican, Patrick McHenry, said that the SEC missed warning signs and he committed to calling SEC Chair Gary Gensler before the committee once uh, McHenry takes the gavel of this committee sometime early next year. We will keep you posted as this hearing is expected to last several hours. Guys, we will keep watching and keep following it for you. Right, Elon, thank you for that. Let's get back to the hearing as Q&A continues. To the others who would take advantage of people uh, that this is not going to be tolerated. And I thank you for what you've done. You've been very direct. I read your testimony. And based upon your testimony, it just seems to me that we have more than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. I yield back the balance of my time. Thank you. The gentleman from Texas, Mr. Sessions. Madam Chairman, thank you very much. Mr. Ray, thank you very much for being here. I think each of our members have been sincere in saying thank you for your professionalism and adding this to your career of other restructuring that you uh, have not only experienced in, but bringing to bear. I've got several questions, and perhaps you can answer them, which would help me. At its best, largest point of, of, of investor exposure by an American investor, what amount of money do you think that was that was held in FTX? Uh, I'm not in a position really to give you individual numbers at this point. Uh, We do know with the U.S. uh, there's hundreds of millions of dollars that were at stake. And, of course, on the dot-com, which is the international exchange, uh, that's in the billions of dollars. Uh, There's uh, one of the difficulties we have is that uh, uh, there's millions of accounts. Uh, Some of those accounts, you know, could be by multiple users. So we're in the process of really analyzing how those accounts roll up to individual customers. Are you you aware of the SEC at any point uh, asking questions, coming to visit, uh, providing paperwork uh, about these hundreds of millions or billions of dollars that drew some attention from the SEC about this American investment or what I would say, uh, exposure? Uh, I'm not, but you have to recognize that I you know, parachuted in on, on November 11th, so I have no history with the company whatsoever. So you do not know about any 
questions, interaction? Uh, have you heard about whether there was uh, an attempt to avoid any of this? Was any of it ever discussed by any of the people that you have gained information from? Uh, I, I'm not privy to anything on a pre-petition basis. Thank you. Um, do you have an idea about the value of assets that was lent to FTX, uh, by FTX or Alameda to Mr. Bankman-Fried, the amount of money that they loaned him? Uh, well, we know that the size of the loss, you know, measured essentially, you know, at this period of time is several billion dollars, but you have to remember that, you know, asset values, you know, fluctuate. So uh, how much the value assets are worth at the time that they may have been transferred to uh, FTX.com may be a different number uh, than the loss as of any particular date. Uh, we do, of course, know that we have several billion dollars of losses, and we know that uh, there was billions of dollars lent out, billions of dollars of other investments, so that we essentially have a roadmap to figure that out. The roadmap that you're speaking about in your past, I don't claim you necessarily know it now, were IRS forms that were filled out by the company, were they properly filled out? Have you looked at those to see that they were complying with the IRS law? Uh, we are looking into that very thing. We've hired uh, Ernst & Young. Uh, they are taking a comprehensive review. They're going backwards and starting with the earlier years. Uh, we're reviewing the return that was filed in 20, uh, 20, uh, 2020, uh, 2021. And of course, they're looking at all the transactions within 2022. So that review is ongoing and we certainly will uh, look at that in detail. As an expert, I would consider you an expert in this arena. Would you think that it would be important that the SEC, and I don't know the law, but would have access to, as part of their any due diligence they were doing to look at that IRS filing to, to determine perhaps some, whether someone was or was not following the law? Would that be part of a due diligence? Well, we certainly would make you know, anything like that available to any of the regulatory agencies whether it's the SEC or the IRS, you know, we're fully cooperative to them. Anything that would aid in their investigation, it would be available to them. Do you think it would be pertinent for this committee to be able to receive that IRS information going back so that we would make a determination about whether proper utilization of oversight was being done? Uh, we certainly, you know, we want to be cooperative with the committee as well, and uh, we can certainly work with staff to, uh, to address what you might need. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairman. Chairwoman. Thank you. The gentleman from Missouri, Mr. Cleaver, who is also the chair of the Subcommittee on Housing, Community Development, and Insurance, is now recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Ray, thank you so kindly for, for being here today. Um, have you read the uh, full testimony that was planned uh, by um, our missing guest? I have not read his full testimony. Uh, I've, 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 some pieces of it have been relayed to me, but I've not read it. Uh, I've not read one word of it, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know him personally and, and probably don't want to, but um, his testimony is so disrespectful. I mean, there's not a person up here who would like to show this to their children in, in line two of, of this, um, this message. Um, he says, and I quote, I would like to start out by formally stating under oath. Um, you can't say it. And I, yeah, I can't even say it publicly. The next two words, absolutely insulting. This is the Congress of the United States. And um, I'd like to submit this, Madam Chair, uh, for uh, the record. Without objection, if you're inserting that into the record. Without objection, such is the order. Um, I, I want to follow up on, on what Mr. Sessions, on the discussion Mr. Sessions uh, was having with you um, uh, on this, uh, the issue. Uh, and if um, 
you are required, I mean, we have, you have one, one requirement that, that you are um, supposed to submit to each customer and the IRS uh, the Form 109B, right? Yes. What else are you required to do? I'd have to defer to the you know the tax folks. Uh, they're experts in their field, and uh, uh, I'm sure they'll uh, they'll do a thorough review of what should have been submitted. No, I'm, 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 what do you know now that you you are supposed to submit other than the 109D uh, to every customer and to to the Internal Revenue Service? And you know, I don't I don't know personally at this point. Uh, you know what was required to be submitted. You know that's part of our review with uh, with our uh, independent accountants. Well, could you expand uh, or, or um, maybe even update us uh, on the extent of the poor controls in the areas previously identified in your November seventeenth declaration? It's, you know, it's an extensive list. It really crosses the entire uh, spectrum of the company uh, from lack of list of bank accounts. Uh, hundreds of bank accounts uh, dispersed all over the world. Uh, lack of a, you know, a, just a complete list of employees and their functions by, by group or name. Uh, extensive use of, you know, independent contractors uh, as opposed to employees. Uh, lack of insurance uh, that you normally would see in certain uh, uh, businesses, uh, either inadequate insurance or complete gaps in insurance. Uh, for example, the Alameda silo had no insurance whatsoever. Uh, so those are, I mean, there's, the list goes on and on. Um, you, you know, we could spend all day on that. Uh, we have time, uh, but... Um I wonder if you would support a resolution that I've been thinking about introducing, um, changing the name of cryptocurrency to creepy dough currency. Um, I'm, I'm going to discuss this with my colleagues. I think it's it's an appropriate name. I just wanted to know whether you would support changing it to creepy dough. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that skill set to, to, to the, the committee. All right, thank you. I yield back. Thank you. The gentleman from Missouri, Mr. Lukemeyer, is now recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Ray, it's been reported that FTX couldn't get a bank account for some time. As a result, FTX used uh, Alameda Research's bank's, bank accounts. Uh, does this raise any red flags for you, the fact they couldn't find a way to get a bank account? Well, there's a few red flags. Obviously, the you know the banking bank situation should have been a real red flag uh, for someone being asked to deposit money into a, an account that was not the exchange account. Uh, certainly, should have been a red flag for for customers. Is Alameda a U.S. chartered bank or is it offshore? It, it, or the bank that they were using, I should say. It, it's really not a bank per se. It's just a uh, most of the entities in in the. In the structure, uh, are I mean they're just unregulated entities. So it's just it's just, uh, it's just an entity that passes through money. It's a hedge fund that does things. It doesn't have a bank account per se. Oh, it has bank accounts, absolutely. Uh, in the U.S. Uh, yes. Okay, so here we have a company that's offshore. It can't get a bank account offshore. It has to come into the U.S. to be able to do its banking business. In other words, and the important part of this this comment is that. In order for these companies to exist, they've got to be able to change their digital assets into hard U.S. dollars at some point. So they need a bank account. And so they needed Alameda to be able to do that. Is that, is that roughly correct? Any of the silos had in, in bank accounts, that, that certainly you know, is, uh, exists. The bank, separate bank accounts do exist. Uh, I think the real issue here for us is that money was transferred from one account to, to the other, uh, you know, seemingly without limit. That's, that is the issue. Okay, you, you talked about the accounting issues. Um, you know, it, it's interesting from the standpoint that um, we're, we're talking today about a problem with 
these cryptocurrency firms with securities firms, uh, and we can't have an accounting system that actually works. You know, this should be a really big red flag for all of us who are in the financial services world with regards to the Chinese investments that we're making, and we're not able to get accounting information on those firms. What else is going on with those firms, similar to what the debacle is that we have here with FTX? That's just a sideline comment. Um, one of the questions I've got is with regards to the Farmington State Bank. This is a, uh, an investment that uh, Alameda made into, and it's a little bitty bank according to a New York Times article. State of Washington, 26th smallest bank out of 4,800 in the country. They bought it in 2020, had a net worth of 5.7 million, and they dropped 11.5 million in for a percentage of the ownership. Do you know off the top of your head what the percentage of ownership was in that bank that they purchased? Uh, I believe that ownership was approximately 10%, but I can make it. Okay, that's what I've heard too. So, therefore, they paid 20 times book, which is off the charts outrageous. Um, so, it should be a red flag over the place. Yet, they were able to purchase that, even though it's a minority interest, but 20 times book. FDIC allowed that to happen. They changed names to uh, Moonstone Bank. And since then, they've uh, four separate accounts have dropped to roughly 71 million. Again, according to FDIC data and according to this article. Um, have you looked at this relationship at all yet to see what's, what's going on here and, and what, whether there's any re, uh, uh, irregularities at all? We, we are looking at it. Uh, it certainly uh, is one of the <clears throat> things that came to our attention fairly quickly. Uh, we're looking at uh, uh, what the dollars were that went from the FTX group to that bank, uh, and we're looking at the connections uh, of that bank uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, the Bahamas. <laughs> Is it the way this all transacted here, is this, is this common, by the way, that they purchase businesses and, and dump excessive amounts of money based on the fact they had it, whether it was a good investment or not, and all these different companies? I mean, this looks like a really excessive investment to actually go out and buy a bank to be able to do something with it, uh, stuff it full of money. Uh, so, I don't know, is there money laundering going on here? Is there some missing dollars? Is somebody stuffing away something in their back pocket to be able to some, at some point down the road take off with it? Is, is that what's going on here? I mean, it, it begs a lot of questions here when you see this kind of activity. Well, there's a lot more questions than their answers. Uh, and certainly, it's highly irregular, and that's what's gotten our attention. Well, I thank you for your uh, comments this morning. And it's, it's concerning when you see this sort of lack of accounting and you see somebody dealing in this sort of level of money, and there's no, and there's lots of different companies where money shifts back and forth, and you wonder by living offshore in the Bahamas if there's not some faraway bank account that's being stuffed with money we'll never ever find. I hope you do your job and do it well, Mr. Ray. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you. The gentleman from Colorado, Mr. Perlmutter, who is also the chair of the Subcommittee on Consumer Protection and Financial Institutions. You're now recognized for five minutes. Uh, thanks, Madam Chair. Mr. Ray, I have so many questions, it's hard to even figure out what questions to ask. So let's just start with some easy ones. How long have you been on this job? Four weeks. Four weeks. Um, do you know when the Madoff bankruptcy was filed? Uh, probably circa 2008, I guess. I, I don't so know say 2008. And do you know they just made a distribution out of that bankruptcy last week? That's what I understand, yes. So that's, what, 14 years? How yes. old are you? <laughs> Is that a permitted question? Because <laughs> I want you to add 100 to whatever your age is when you finally untangle all of this. And the reason I say that is we watched this FTX, but a bunch of other crypto companies start thrashing about, say, 9, 10, 12 months ago. And, and the, the, as the house of cards started falling down, the thrashing became more. We, we had something like that in Colorado back in the 80s when the savings and loans were failing. And everybody was sort of trading their, their funny money. Their, we called it trading cats for dogs to hide lousy loans, to, you know, to not show the, the failures of those particular banks. Here, you know, your job, I think, as, as the, the bankruptcy trustee or conservator or whatever you are, is to go gather as many assets as you can and that could be from some very innocent people who got paid money to then spread it out equally among who you think the real creditors are or 
I mean, is that sort of a fair statement? Uh, it's a general statement, but it's not far off. Well, because we on this committee and, and a number of us had to deal with the Madoff stuff, you know, one of the things you're going to face is uh, some guy say, I'm more innocent than that guy. You know, I should get to keep my money even though I got paid yesterday, but I'm an innocent guy. You're going to be dealing with so many preferences, so many fraudulent transfers. I mean, have you any idea what the total money in and the total money out of FTX was? We don't have a full accounting at this early stage, no. Do you know how much was in tokens? So let's say I have Dogecoin, or I don't even know how you say it, but I have 10 Dogecoin, which a year ago, is it Dogecoin or Dogecoin? Doge, Dogecoin. All right, Doge, I have 10 Dogecoins, all right? A year ago, 10 Dogecoins, for sake of argument, was worth $1,000, so 100 bucks a coin. I put that in there. But Dogecoin today is worth, like, I don't know what, say, not nearly that much. I mean, how are you going to evaluate that as to what I should get out of the bankruptcy? Well, at first it starts with doing an accounting and a tracing of, of, of all the assets, you know, it, it, both the ins and the outs. Uh, and that's made difficult, of course, by the commingling of assets. So uh, perhaps, perhaps you, you may have invested in a certain uh, coin or an altcoin. Uh, we'll have to trace what happened to that coin because, again, what we've explained here today and through our testimony is there's commingling of assets, so that makes it, you know, a, a bit more complicated than simply how much is, you know, my coin worth, right? So uh, we're gonna, it's gonna be a painstaking process of looking for the ins and outs, what happened to your crypto. Uh, of course, at the bankruptcy, at the time of the bankruptcy, we know what, you know, what, when that occurred. We have a very specific time when that bankruptcy occurred. And we will look at customer accounts as of that date. And that will be determined essentially what, what your account position was. But of course, you know, you know, assets, you know, vary in terms of uh, fluctuating in, in, in uh, value. And again, uh, because of the circumstances we find ourselves in, in the lack of documentation, uh, the the potential commingling between silos, and then also uh, what happened with uh, Alameda taking funds from FTX.com, it isn't as simple as. You know, how many coins did I have in my account? Well, I guess what I'm saying is if I put $1,000 in and it's gone, and I put 10 Dogecoins in and they're gone, eventually you're going to have to figure that out. And I, my guess is you will be back here in a year when you have a better handle on the numbers to be talking to this committee. And thank you for doing this. I yield back. Thank you very much. Uh, you know by now that Mr. Perlmutter is a bankruptcy attorney. Uh, you can tell by those questions. So this would be a good time to enter into the record without objection. I would like to enter into the record the indictment of Sam Bankman-Fried uh, by the Southern District of New York uh, that was unsealed this morning and the separate filings from the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, both of which were filed this morning. Thank you. With that, the gentleman from Michigan, Mr. Heisinger, is now recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair and Mr. Ray. Um, I'm going to get my colleague to shift a little bit or get up. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, one, one quick question. Have, have you been sharing your findings uh, with the SEC at all as you've been going through this? Yes. Okay. Uh, how about the Southern District of New York? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to get to a couple of uh, practical questions because I think these were the things I was going to ask you and then also ask Mr. Uh, Bankman-Fried. Um, in your declaration, you said that the, uh, quote, the FTX.com platform was not available to U.S. users, close quote. However, earlier this month, uh, CFTC Chairman Benham uh, suggested in testimony before the Senate Agriculture Committee that 2% of funds housed at FTX.com were from U.S. individuals. Can you confirm whether uh, there were U.S. individuals or in persons, in fact, customers of FTX.com? 
Uh, yes, there, we've, we found that there's a small number of, of U.S. Uh, customers that had engaged in uh, as customers. At is 2% small in your estimation, or is it uh, less or more? Y y I, we don't have those kind of numbers on an on a, on a, on a investor basis. We have it on a customer basis, uh, but you're okay. talking about less than a couple hundred. But it could amount to billions. I mean, you said earlier it is billions of dollars that was in there, or at least it could be millions or hundreds of thousands. We, we don't know that number, or do you know that? Number? I, I don't know. I don't know that number. The, 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 you know, billions would sound very, very high. Okay. Right? Well, you had mentioned that there was billions yes. in it. Yes. Yeah, but clearly, I'm US, giving you the range. So. Yeah, clearly, as U.S. customers, there we don't have an accounting of what those particular customers had in the dot okay. exchange. Will determining this be part of your work through this bankruptcy process? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, will part of your work be determining which assets belong to which customers, more specifically U.S. customers of FTX.com? Yes, we will do a, really a tracing analysis that will try to identify you know, the, the, most of the sources and the uses of all the funds. So whether it's 10 customers that had a lot of money or 1,000 customers that had some money? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you provide some indication of whether customer funds from FTX.com were in fact transferred to Alameda Research? Well, it's definitely assets of, of customers in the dot-com silo were transferred to Alameda, no question about it. Uh, uh, we have not seen this at this stage uh, from the U.S. silo. But, of course, you know, we, we do have one concern, and that's the concern we're chasing down, which is whether or not there's commingling between the dot-com silo and the U.S. silo exchanges. And, and the reason for that is we know that there was sort of common control and access uh, of authorized users at, at this most senior management level amongst all of the assets. So it's something we have to, we have to focus on. We haven't seen evidence right now of that, uh, but certainly that's something we need to investigate and trace. Okay. And my remaining two minutes, I want to turn a little bit to operations. Uh, is there any evidence of his parents' involvement in the operations? We're investigating that uh, as well as any other you know, players. In the email, Slack... You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's billions of records. It's a okay. very vibrant environment. Um, so I hear that you haven't discovered that. I mean, it would, it would seem interesting that, uh, that they didn't either give legal advice or business advice or parental advice, maybe. Well, well certainly, clearly. You know, I think in our first day papers, we indicated that... Uh, uh, that Mr. Bankman had given legal advice. Okay. Had, had he been an employee of FTX, as it been reported? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if, his, if he actually had an employee status. Uh, okay. but he certainly received payments from, uh, the family did receive payments. Okay. That sounds like employment to me. You got a payment for, okay. Well, I, I, I raise that because on December 8 of 2021, uh, I met with Sam Bankman Freed in my office, which I will note was just immediately before he came down to the hearing. He was at least 15 minutes late, and his father accompanied him. Uh, in that meeting. Uh, I asked and focused on what types of regulation he was under, his engagement with regulators, and how that affected FTX. Um, but uh, it, it seems to me that um, there's a lot more to uncover here. Uh, certainly, Mr. Bankman-Fried uh, has, uh, has uh, let's say, wooed many in New York, Silicon Valley, around the world, and yes, certainly here in D.C., uh, he was, uh, it, they, they loved everything, everybody loved the exciting idea of a politically progressive, smart entrepreneur who was going to reimagine capitalism uh, and, uh, and change the, word, uh, the world, feeling better about themselves, all while making them gobs of money. And I'm glad to see it's finally unraveled. So my time is, uh, my time is up and I yield back. Thank you. The gentlewoman from Ohio, Mrs. Beatty, who is also the chair of the Subcommittee on Diversity and Inclusion is now recognized for five minutes. First of all, let me just say thank you to Chairwoman uh, Waters and our ranking member and certainly to you, Mr. Ray. Uh, we have heard a lot. Uh, a lot of this has been difficult to digest. Uh, primarily because of what has happened uh, to so many people and so much money uh, involved. Mr. Ray, you mentioned in your testimony that one of your primary goals is to limit to the greatest extent possible the harm suffered by FTX um, 
customers. Hundreds and hundreds of million dollars have been removed from crypto wallets. And in its estimates that about one million people have money frozen in the exchange. Can you... And the likelihood those funds back. And if you can't answer that question, <laughs> I have the information. Ms. Beatty, would you repeat the question? You were interrupted for a minute or so there. Oh, I, I am sorry. I am uh, at home recovering, so I hope, sorry about any connection. Basically, hundreds of dollars have been removed from crypto wallets, and it's estimated that about one million people have money frozen in their exchange. Can you tell us uh, how many users have lost money, and when will they get their money back? Uh, well, our process is such that you know, we are securing our assets every day. Uh, every day we are out looking for wallets and the keys to those wallets to maximize the recovery of value. So that's an ongoing process. We've secured all the cash in the bank accounts uh, to the extent that uh, we can at this point. We've secured crypto assets. We're still in the process of doing that. Uh, I mean, ultimately, that, that's, a, you know, that's a question of, of months. Uh, the litigation has been pointed out by other members. Uh, uh, certainly, will take a longer time frame, uh, but that is our, you know, is our number one focus uh, is to, you know, is to generate value to repay those customers. I don't have a customer account for you today. Uh, we do know that there was 2.7 million users uh, in the U.S. silo, uh, which, which again, is overstates the customer relationships because people had multiple trading accounts. Uh, and in the dot-com silo, uh, we had uh, over 7.6 million uh, users, again, uh, overstating the actual customer relationships due to the, the multitude of accounts by any particular customer. So we need to get to the bottom of, of those customer numbers. Thanks, Mr. Ray. Let, let me ask you this. Despite the fact that FTX told customers it would uh, not trade customers' funds, we know now that FTX loaned out, I think, about $10 billion in customer assets for proprietary trading. Mr. Ray, do you know um, how it was possible for FTX to access clients' funds in violation of its own terms of service uh, that noted Red without clients' per uh, permission and exposes customers to such massive loss? Well, as I indicated, I mean, there was no corporate controls, no corporate oversight, no independent uh, board, and uh, uh, the owners of the business, the senior management had you know, virtual control of, of the accounts of, of each of the silos and could move money or assets, you know, as they desired undetected uh, by customers. Uh, so, uh, you know, to the extent there were rules and there were very few, obviously they were made to be broken. So I think what I'm hearing you saying is that there was uh, no one personally uh, approved this. Uh, let me ask you a last question. Uh, can you tell us what regulatory changes could prevent the unauthorization or the un unauthorizing customer funds in the future based on your wealth of experience? Uh, you know, without, you know, speculating about what regulatory fix could, there could be, uh, and I've said in my earlier testimony, uh, you know, the, the, the critical thing is segregation of customer funds and transparency. Okay. And lastly, in your five points that you outlined, uh, and I'm sorry if you said it before, is there a timetable that you think you can get to that? And that can be a yes or no. I think I'm getting close to my time. Uh, there, there's no particular time frame, uh, but it's it's as quickly as possible uh, in, in my experience uh, with Enron. And is, uh, is that months? Is that weeks? Quickly as possible. It's, it certainly isn't weeks. It's definitely months. Uh, and the causes of action, you know, could take longer. Uh, but we will marshal assets on a weekly basis and on a monthly basis, uh, and we'll do that as quickly as possible. Thank you so much for taking the time to try to help us out. Uh, I yield back.
Thank you. The gentleman from Kentucky, Mr. Barr, is now recognized for five minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Ray, in your declaration, you said that many of the companies in the FTX group did not have uh, appropriate corporate governance and that this situation is unprecedented. Uh, you also, in your testimony today, said that the FTX collapse stems from the lack of an independent board and a complete failure of any internal controls or governance whatsoever. Can you elaborate uh, in describing the governance structures for FTX.com that led you to make those uh, comments? Well, for, first and foremost, you know, there's no independent board of directors. Uh, so one of the first things that, that I did was put on an independent board of directors uh, led by our chairperson, uh, who's the former U.S. attorney, and uh, uh, Honorable uh, Joseph Farnan, uh, former U.S. district court judge. So put in a corporate structure of independent directors, uh, put in separate officers, uh, the new officers of the company. I put in a new CFO, uh, a new chief information officer, a new head of administration, all independent, uh, with with some background and experience in these in these sectors. None of the employees. I mean, there's a lot of titles in the company, but no experience to back it up. Can, uh, can you can you explain how um, the uh, FTX.com governance structure differs from the governance structures of FTX US? Virtually no difference. There was no structure. Um, Mr. Ray, in your work so far, have you examined the governance structure or the flow of assets to the FTX Foundation or its various affiliates, uh, including FTX Community, FTX Climate, or the Future Fund? We are digging into that. We've, we've not completed our review. I am curious uh, in your work um, whether or not uh, you will determine whether those entities were established properly as non profits or whether or not the funds received were improperly transferred customer accounts. Do you have any visibility into that yet? Uh, we're looking at that right now. We've asked our folks at Ernst & Young to look at the, the tax side of it, and we're investigating the, uh, the money transfers. Uh, so you can be sure we're going to dig into those details. Was the FTX Foundation and those other uh, not-for-profit, uh, ostensibly not-for-profit uh, entities, were they completely separate from any of the for-profit entities? Uh, they, they were owned by, by uh, uh, Sam Bankman fried um, I, I can't tell you that they were separate because they got funds from uh, Alameda. So we, we know the source of their funding was from the FTX group. There was separate ownership, but not separate you know, funding. So commingled assets in that case as well? Absolutely. Okay. Um, at least one ESG ratings firm gave FTX a higher score for governance than ExxonMobil. Given your testimony that FTX's collapse stems from the absolute concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals who failed to implement virtually any of the systems or controls necessary for a company that is entrusted with other people's money or assets, what would you say about this ESG governance rating which rated FTX higher than ExxonMobil. I'd get my money back. Um, can you identify which entities uh, had audited uh, financial statements? Uh, yes, uh, I can. Uh, so there was no audit al at Alameda, no audit at the Venture Silo. There was audit at the uh, uh, U.S. Silo uh, and uh, also audit at the, the uh, dot-com silo. I can't speak to the integrity or quality of those audits, uh, we're reviewing, obviously, uh, the books and records. Uh, and as I've said earlier, uh, you know, much of those books and records were maintained on you know, fairly unsophisticated ledger, ledger uh, work, work, workbooks. And, and you testified of the lack of record keeping. Yes. And so um, there's a whole lot of uh, financial statements that are either not audited or not available. Is that fair to say? That's, that's fair to say. Um, in your declaration, you stated that you did not believe that those audited financial statements were reliable. Can you elaborate on why you believe that to be the case? Well, we've lost $8 billion right, of customer money. So by definition, uh, I don't trust a single piece of paper in this organization. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, in his testimony to this committee uh, on December 8th of last year, said that FTX has designed and offered a platform with a market structure that is risk-reducing. To be sure, there are irresponsible actors in the digital asset industry, and those actors attract the headlines, but FTX is not one of them. Was that statement incorrect? False, yes. Thank you. And let me conclude by 
uh, describing what is going on here by a, a, a popular crypto commentator. If you set up an exchange where you're the market maker, you're the issuer, you're the prime broker, and then you trade against your own customers, you have a vested interest in creating the assets, promoting the assets, and manipulating the price of the assets, what you have is a crypto casino. I yield back. Thank you. The gentleman from California, Mr. Vargas, is now recognized for five minutes. Uh, thank you very much, Madam Chair. I'd like to begin by thanking you once again for taking the lead to hold bad actors accountable and pursue transparency in the cryptocurrency space. And also, Mr. Ray, I want to thank you for being here today to testify. Um, I, I think I start off a little bit like Paul Krugman does in the New York Times. I don't get the point. I really don't get the point of blockchain and cryptocurrency. It's like keeping track of how many times you chew gum, like who cares? Um, there's other ways that are, uh, I think, less fraudulent to, to make transactions. But anyway, that being said, um, how many times have we talked here about the potential for abuse of fraud in, in the crypto market? Quite a bit. We've had a lot of cheerleading from some people, especially on the other side of the aisle. I don't hear it today. I haven't heard it yet, but I do want to hear it like we normally hear it, how wonderful it is and how they shouldn't be regulated by the SEC, that they're too tough on them. Imagine we're not going to hear that today, especially after what we saw with FTX. But we do want to see order and transparency in this industry and throughout the financial markets. If you are an issuer of cryptocurrency or a manager of cryptocurrency exchange, and you conduct business with U.S. customers, consider this FTX collapse as your public service announcement. Come into compliance with the Securities Act of 1933, the Securities Act of 1934, and all other applicable federal and state laws. Do not skirt the law, mishandle U.S. citizens' funds, and then claim innocence. For the cryptocurrency industry to continue, citizens need to be informed, regulators need to uphold the laws, and companies need to comply. Now that, that wasn't happening, was it, Mr. Rander, this particular company? No, sir. Why wasn't it? You, you, again, you have control in a small group of, 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 of individuals uh, without any oversight whatsoever, uh, you know, from an independent board or experienced managers. Uh, it's just a recipe for, for problems. What government entity is responsible for this fiasco? Uh, that's not for me to say. No, it is for you to say. You're right there, and I'm asking you. If, I, you I, if you had to opine, that's why you're there in the hot seat. Who is it? Should the SEC have been more aggressive, even though we had a lot of our friends on the other side saying they shouldn't have been? Should the SEC have been more aggressive? You know, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not experienced. In, I'm not a regulatory lawyer. I'm not here to express views about who should who should regulate it. Uh, and I've said, uh, and very clearly, that we need transparency. Uh, customers need to have segregated accounts. They need to have ownership. It's their money, it's assets. It's really no different than a bank. You'd expect the same level of a scrutiny of, your, of any funds that you have on deposit with someone else. That is a minimum. I, I agree with everything you've said, but at the same time, I have to say that the product that they give is a, is a hybrid product, is it not? Well, certainly it's a currency. It's an alternative currency, yes. So then who should regulate it? I, I don't have an opinion on that. Uh, you don't? Mr. Congressman, no. Okay. Well, that's the whole problem, I think. I, I don't get the point of um, cryptocurrency to begin with, um, other than, you know, if you're a terrorist or someone that wants to hide money, and then I, I get the point. But other than that, I don't get the point myself. But if we are going to have it, um, we have to regulate it. Someone has to be in charge. We have to make sure that we don't continue to defraud the American people. And that's where the government comes in. Somebody's got to take charge of this. I think it's the SEC. I've always thought it was the SEC. They had a lot of pushback from my friends on the other side. I didn't hear them quite today pushing back as they normally do. I'd love to see that. Um, but again, someone has to regulate this if it's going to exist. Don't you agree? I, I certainly think there has to be you know, more controls in this sector. Who should regulate it? I defer to this committee. That, Madam Chair, I yield my time back. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Williams, is now recognized for five minutes. 
Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you, Mr. Ray, for being here. Appreciate it. There's been many comparisons that have been made as, as people examine what happened to FTX, and from uh, Bernie Madoff to Enron, it looks like this will go down as one of the largest frauds in history. And Mr. Ray, you have a unique perspective on the fact that you have worked on the Enron bankruptcy. I'd be interested real quick of you talking a little bit real quick about uh, how it compares. You got cut off in the early time, and I'd like to hear a little bit about that. You know, Enron was a you know is a is a really a, a, a different company. Uh, you know, was a the, the crimes that were committed there were uh, highly uh, orchestrated uh, financial machinations uh, by highly sophisticated people uh, to keep you know transactions off balance sheets. Uh, you know, the this is really old fashioned embezzlement. This is just taking money from customers. And using it for your own purpose, not sophisticated at all. Uh, sophisticated, perhaps in the way uh, they were able to sort of hide it from people. Uh, uh, frankly, right in front of their eyes. But this isn't this isn't uh, uh, you know sophisticated whatsoever. This is just plain old embezzlement. Old school. Old school. There you go. Uh, it seems like. Uh, uh, Freed had some interesting ideas on how he can stay relevant in the FTX world, and even after stealing customers' money and driving the company into bankruptcy. And I have read that he wants to be retained as an outside consultant and uh, been very critical of your own appointment, quite frankly, uh, into this position. So after his arrest last night, all of his wishes seem even more unlikely. So what role, if any, should he play in FTX moving forward? Is the role he's currently playing. Okay. Zero. Good. Um, you stated that FTX was a platform allowing for users to trade digital assets. Yeah. Uh, were users engaging in simple exchanges of assets, or were users permitted to engage in leveraged complex transactions? Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, can you repeat your question? Sure. Uh, you stated that FTX was a platform allowing for users to trade digital assets. Were users engaged in simple exchanges of assets, or were users permitted to engage in leveraged complex transactions? Yes. Okay. You also stated that you have recovered over $1 billion in assets. Can you give a description of the nature and type of assets you have recovered to date? Uh, we've recovered uh, over a billion dollars of crypto assets. These are, you know, coins of various nature, uh, and we've secured those. Uh, uh, but that's been our primary focus. We've certainly also secured, you know, our cash and all of our bank accounts. The bank accounts were frozen. We've got control over those accounts with new authorized users, which you know certainly includes myself. Uh, but our main goal is to secure the cash and secure the crypto assets, and that is an ongoing uh, venture. Okay. Uh, thank you for being here, and I yield my time back. Thank you very much, the gentleman from Guam. Mr. San Nicholas is now recognized for five minutes. <clears throat> thank you, Madam Chair. Mr. Ray, thank you for being with us here today. There's a lot of people following this, trying to understand, trying to understand what happened uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I, of course, your primary responsibility will be to, to make sure that um, the um, creditors are made whole, as well as uh, depositors and everybody else who has a uh, uh, a stake uh, in, in varying degrees within the company. My, my first question is, have we been able, have you been able to pinpoint the specific cause for FTX's collapse? I know that there's all kinds of stories about um, loans to the owner and um, no internal controls, loans to Alameda, commingling, but is there is there a specific, uh, a specific trigger point or a specific cause that has uh, resulted in the FTX collapse? Uh, you know, I, I think I've described it. It's, it's really just the unlimited uh, ability of those in control positions uh, to borrow customer funds or take customer funds and then deploy them for their own use. Uh, that use involved uh, margin trading, which is inherently, you know, risky. Uh, and... Uh, uh, of course, they've spent enormous amounts of money beyond that. Uh, but it's really the misuse of, of funds, and it's as simple as that. 
you know, in a, you know, on a large scale basis. So what is, what is the, um, the, the big picture um, balance loss as a result of this bankruptcy? How much, how much has FTX lost as a result of this? We don't have exact numbers, but we know Ballpark. it's several billion dollars, you know, in excess of seven billion. In excess of seven billion. Yes. So in excess of seven billion dollars, we're saying that the, um, the uh, Sam Bankman Fried and Company uh, basically took or misallocated seven billion dollars, and that's why the and that's why FTX has collapsed. Right. So so funds were taken from customers, funds were invested, trading losses incurred in Alameda, and then funds were deployed that will never be you know. Uh, valued at the same dollar amount. There was over $5 billion of investments made. Uh, certainly there's some value there, and we will try to get that value uh, and sell those assets. Uh, but oftentimes, even when he made those sorts of investments, whether it was th directly or through others in management, sometimes he would do that really without any pro forma or any valuation. Um, not really quite sure how uh, some of the purchase price numbers were uh, derived, so it you know gives you a sort of worry, obviously, that uh, uh, the purchases were overvalued. So there's a concern there as well. So uh, so Alameda Alameda lost seven billion dollars as a result of investment decisions and, and margin trading. There's there's a there's a multitude of reasons that that caused you know the the gap in assets between the customer balances and and what's there today, and what we hope to gain. Uh, it can't be pinpointed just on, on, you know, losses on trading activity. I, the reason I'm asking, and I'm, I'm just kind of narrowing it down because my time is expiring, but it's important for us to very clearly understand what caused this collapse. You know, when um, we had the 2008 financial crisis and Bear Stearns collapsed and Lehman Brothers collapsed, you know, we could have gone in there and we could have pointed to all these different reasons that could potentially have, have contributed to it, but the underlying reasons were there was a subprime crisis and a lack of liquidity in these respective uh, institutions. That allowed us to have a policy response, a regulatory response to prevent that kind of thing from occurring in the future. The FTX collapse right now is just FTX, but are these lack of controls and are these environments that resulted in the FTX collapse, are those still existing today? And could the same thing happen in similar operations, such as uh, Binance, for example? Could they also engage in the same activities under the current regulatory regime, and if things go wrong, have the same outcome? Well, sort of, sort of th just three points I'd make. Uh, first of all, I mean, we are going to detail the sources and uses and what happened to all the funds. That will tell us exactly you know, how the losses were incurred. Some of those may be lessons learned. Some of them just, you know, frankly, will just be payments that were made, you know, from other people's money. It's, it's, uh, it, it's no, just, just going back to my question, though, Mr. Yeah. Ray, yeah. the circumstances that led to FTX's collapse, those circumstances still exist in the crypto space, and can other companies collapse in a similar set of circumstances? Well, certainly we've ceased trading, so it won't happen at our company. Could it happen at other companies? I can't speak to them because I don't know how each of these companies are operated. Obviously, our company operated in a very distinct way that, that led to losses, but I think every company is different. My time's expired. Gentleman from Arkansas, Mr. Hill is now recognized for five minutes. I thank the chairman. I appreciate you being here, Mr. Ray. Uh, glad to have you before the committee, and I want to thank uh, the ranking member, Mr. McHenry, and the chair, Chair Waters, for working constructively in the digital asset space uh, over the past uh, four years. And I, I want to remind my colleagues that uh, Mr. McHenry talked about uh, uh, bond ripoffs uh, in the railroad expansion in the 1870s and 1880s. True, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac leading us down the Primrose, Primrose path uh, in the early 2000s on housing ownership in the secondary market. And there were frauds and fraudulent actors. But that didn't mean that we didn't want to invest in railroads in the United States for the history of the country, and it didn't mean that we don't need a vigorous uh, single-family housing market and secondary market in our country. So let's not confuse the malfeasance and disgusting activity of FTX with the fact that we need a proper, thoughtful regulatory oversight of digital assets. And so I thank Chair Waters and Ranking Member McHenry. Fourteen years ago this week, Bernie Madoff was arrested and charged with operating the largest Ponzi scheme in American history. Its collapse injured 37,000 investors and led to major reforms 
at the Securities and Exchange Commission and their oversight, and FINRA. Bankman-Fried was arrested in the Bahamas last night. In many ways, the fall of FTX dwarfs that of Bernie Madoff, with court filings suggesting that over one million creditors are somewhere in the lurch in the FTX silos. Americans were hurt, and I want everyone listening to know in today's hearing that this is just the first step that Congress is taking in understanding what happened and how to create the appropriate regulatory environment. We do want to understand the invented decisions that led to the collapse and the impact on our customers and other market participants and how to prevent it from happening again. Mr. Ray, thanks for stepping up in your leadership capacity. And in looking at the bankruptcy filing, uh, Prager Metis was the audit firm for the dot-com silo. Their website says they're the first ever CPA firm in the metaverse. So looking at their website, they have uh, 24 offices, 600 staff, 100 partners, principally California, New York, and New Jersey. You stated you're not familiar with Prager Metis, is that correct? That's correct. Are they cooperating uh, with your, uh, in your role as a bankruptcy trustee? Uh, we're reaching out to you know both uh, firms, audit firms, as well as the firm that's our taxes, and uh, uh, we certainly have tools available so if they don't cooperate. But everyone seems to be cooperating at this point. And are they? Uh, you anticipate they'll actively participate in the forensic accounting work you're doing with Ernst and Young? Absolutely not. No, we we uh, we are taking information that we get from uh, the prior uh, auditors and accountants and tax professionals, and then we're going to take our investigation from there on an independent basis. Can you tell us who the partner in charge is of the audit at that firm? Uh, I can't tell you. I, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head. Is it Jerry Eitel, Brian Goldblatt, Michael Williams? Those names ring a bell? No, it's not. I can, I can, get, the I can get your staff. Would you provide day. that to us, please? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And then the uh, second auditing firm, Ara Manino, you say you are familiar with them, and that's part of a London-based firm, is that yes, right? Yes, that's correct. And uh, so do you feel the same way about their performance based on the books and records you've seen, that they also were inadequate in serving as an auditing firm? <coughs> you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I wanna, certainly don't want to disparage that firm. Uh, we do have to look through uh, the books and records and look at the audits themselves and see how comprehensive they were to see if the audit would have picked up uh, anything that we see. And uh, certainly uh, we're gonna look at the related party disclosures that are in those audits, uh, whether there's any footnotes or exceptions. Uh, we, need to go, you know, we need to go back and, and look at all those audits just from a look back perspective to determine uh, what maybe, maybe could have been done that wasn't done. Do you anticipate the United States being a creditor in these uh, proceedings either for tax purposes? Uh I, I, it's premature to tell. I mean, we're certainly looking at that ourselves, and to the extent that we find any irregularities uh, in the tax area, um, we'll certainly be notifying the IRS, but uh, nothing we've seen at this point. But again, our investigation is so early. You state that the internal controls were the weakest that you've seen sort of in your experience, but FTX US and FTX.com, Essentially, there is no distinction between those. And so whether you were an international investor or a domestic investor, it's all the same pot. Is that fair to say? I mean, that, that is certainly our worry. I mean, the, 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 there's a limited amount of U.S. customers in the dot-com exchange, uh, but we are focused on, you know, commingling, and we're worried that, uh, that the silos weren't respected from a, for, for purposes of the crypto assets. Gentlemen's time has expired. The gentleman from Connecticut, Mr. Himes, who is also the chair of the Subcommittee on National Security, International Development, and Monetary Policy, is now recognized for five minutes. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Mr. Ray, for being here and for uh, undertaking this remarkably complicated task. You know, at the end of the day, our job here is to learn from the mistakes that were made, who made them, and, and, and what we can do going forward. Uh, like it or not, we're moving into a crypto assets, crypto world, um, and uh, we really do need to learn. Um, 
this whole thing has the feeling of a Hollywood blockbuster. That's why the cameras are here, right? We've got a 30-year-old gazillionaire who raised billions of dollars living in some condo with a bunch of young people, exotic products, tokens, and crypto assets. Um, it feels to me, though, as I look through particularly the SDNY indictment unsealed this morning, that a lot of what we're seeing here is as old as the hills. It's wire fraud. It's misleading investors. It's Pretty remarkable Q&A today from House Financial Services as John Ray talks about at FTX, uh, an utter lack of record keeping, absolutely no internal controls whatsoever. I don't trust a single piece of paper in this organization. We'll keep our eye on the hearing as we've lost our highs. Obviously, S&P got to 4,100 this morning. That was a two-month high, but has backed off back below the 200-day. Two-year was at 412, back up to 419. Busy morning. You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Check. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern.